0: with Ali Rizvi and Armin Navabi.
1: Welcome everybody to another episode of Secular Jihadists for a Muslim enlightenment. My name is Ali Rizvi and with me is Armin Navabi. Armin, how are you doing tonight?
2: I'm good. Hold on. Let me actually bring this up on my phone so I can see the live chat and everything. Guys, if you're in the live chat, let us know if the audio is okay. And if you Mm -hmm. are watching this later, uh, make sure that uh, you become a patron so you could join us in the live chat so you could have these discussions with us live and you could ask your questions. Cool. All right. So what are we talking about today,
1: Ellie? I lost my audio. Give me a second.
2: (laughs) Okay. Oh, we have to, okay, so let's, okay, let's do the welcome. you should welcome. be able to
1: hear me now.
2: Hmm, let's try yeah. this again
1: then, let's try this again. Please yeah, I'm unplugging my audio, if it doesn't work, I'll just get my iPhone headphones, if it happens again. Welcome everybody to another episode of Secular Jihadist for a Muslim Enlightenment, my name is Ali Rizvi, and with me is Armin Navabi, Armin, I'm not going to ask you how he is that audio. Oh, oh, thank,
2: oh, thank you, please.
1: Well, yeah, you sure. just told me. Okay, that's great. Okay, so so what we have? Okay, so what we've gone on today.
2: No, I thank the devil for you not asking me how I am doing. That's that's is very. I let's do let's go with that from that one. It's such a dumb that. question. Yeah, let's okay, go okay, with I'm that. Never, I'm yeah. never gonna ask you how you are. Never that's ask
1: fine. me that again. Yes. <laughs> good, so good. we've got we've got some sort of really with all of the news about the cap. Cow- and the election and everything. There's a lot happening internationally. Right, that your is- audio
2: is choppy. I don't know if it's just choppy for me or is it choppy for I think, choppy.
1: I think it's choppy for you because yours is choppy for me. I think you're having a connection issue today.
2: Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right. Hopefully get but, better. I don't know. Thanks. Someone
1: will tell us. Okay, so, um, but in any case, right? So what's happening is that there's a lot of other really big international news stories. I, sorry, Bilbo, is my audio choppy? We got to figure this out. Oh, I am. Okay, so I was wrong. Let me get... Sorry, guys. Let me go get my... We're going to start this over. I'm going to get my uh, iPhone earphones. Okay. It's out of the USB nope.
2: thing. Oh, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with your I- earphones if you're choppy.
1: No, no, it's definitely the audio because I'm disconnecting me. So it's definitely that. All right. Get it that. has to be that. Go. So, yeah.
2: All right. Can you do this fast, please? There. All right. Well, Susanna, do you mind hopping back in while Ali does this? Yeah, Jeremy is saying it's going back in for Bobo. Okay, let me see who's in the live chat. I'll just hang out with you guys until Ali fixes. Um, George is here. Jeremy is here. Bobo is here in the live chat. Uh, Susanna is going to probably join me. Armin is about to lose. <laughs> no, it's okay. Why are you saying that? I said, Susanna's saying Armin's about to lose his mind. I'm, I'm okay. Um, Armin was happy with Ali for a second. Yep. Okay, no, Susie. Ali's right. back. You don't need to come. Your audio is crap, Ali. Say something. Ali? Okay, can you guys hear me? You're frozen. Me? Yes.
1: Oh my God, Armin, can you hear me? I can't hear you. Yes, I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna come back.
2: Oh my God, okay, Susie, come back right in. I can't. This is amazing. It's always Ali that has a problem. It's always Ali that has a problem. Susie, come back right in. Oh, there we go. Oh no, Ali is coming. Hey, Ali, are you okay okay now?
1: Okay. I am okay. It seems like it. Is it smooth? All right.
2: Let's just get started because we're already late. No, no. Susie, you don't need to be here. Ali is okay. Good. Okay. Bye. All right. Suzy, yeah. Suzy just came for a second. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. Bye, Suzy. All right.
2: Ali. <laughs> okay. Welcome, everybody,
1: to another episode of Secular Jihadist for a Muslim Enlightenment. I'm hearing some echo, but anyway. Welcome, everybody. What the
2: fuck? Just say, "Oh my God!" It's killing me. Be, Hold on. Hold on. Just say it.
1: All right. Okay. Welcome everybody Welcome to another episode to of Secular Jihad. It's very Oh my God, At, Susie. The is audience
2: is getting
1: crazy echo. Huh? The audience is getting crazy echo from Ali.
2: Oh my God, Ali From me. Okay.
1: Listen, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna come back again. Hey, it's gone. Is the echo still there?
2: Is the echo still there? Okay, good. No, it's not there. Continue. Ali, Ali, start from the beginning, and please don't fuck it up again.
1: Hey, listen, man. It's not... I I can't figure this out. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Secular Jihadist for Muslim Enlightenment. My name is Ali Rizvi, and I'm with Armin Navabi, and this is, like, the third time we're doing this. So I'm going to get right into it. Between all of the headlines that we've been hearing... Right With the capital raid and the election and all this other stuff that's going on, there are a lot of big international news stories that have been kind of falling and slipping under the radar. And that's one of the things that we're going to cover today. So we've talked about this before. We've talked about international human rights abuses by countries like Saudi Arabia. And that's kind of what we're going to focus on today. Okay, so uh, here's a little bit of background and what we're going to get into. And Armin, I'm going to go straight to you after this. Uh, to get your perspective on it. Um, recently, uh, the Saudi women's rights activist, the revolutionary Lujain Al-Hathloul. Um, so she's one of the people who fought for women's right to drive, and a lot of the sort of the uh, the the rights of women are finally getting in Saudi Arabia. Uh, she was recently sentenced, right, just weeks ago, to five years and eight months in prison, and the crimes, quote unquote, crimes that she's accused of or charged with or convicted of, actually, is talking to Western diplomats about her fight for women's rights and for applying for a job at the UN, okay? She's already been in prison for more than two and a half years already, and she's already gone through torture. She's gone through a sexual abuse uh, and all kinds of terrible things. And on top of that, the sentence came in. But the judge did give her credit for the time already served and suspended part of her sentence. And this is very unusual because this means that she could be released as early as March, right? as early as just like two months from now. Um, she will still have three years probation. She'll have a five-year travel ban. They're going to try to disincentivize her from activism and everything that she's doing. So recently, uh, the Washington Post editorial board right, wrote an editorial. And they were saying that this leniency is, quote, almost certainly a result of U.S. pressure on the Saudis particularly by the incoming, well, now it's already there, the Joe Biden administration, uh, because apparently President Trump, in the past, essentially gave the Saudis a blank check to do as they wished. And as you know, you know, he defended uh, MBS and the killing of the Khashoggi and um, it did, you know, he vetoed uh, the bipartisan measure to stop the support of Saudi to stop the US supporting the Saudis war in Yemen, uh, and selling them arms and so on. So that this is kind of what we're going to talk about today. right? Is this new administration? Is this going to make a difference? Does the US pressure on the Saudis? Is it possible it'll start working because of the lower dependency on Saudi oil? Is it possible that um, the Saudis are more susceptible to it? So th- this is kind of an interesting thing. Armin, have you read the editorial? Um, I not, well not
2: that one. I read some other commentary on it, but I read a whole bunch of other things with regards to um, Biden's um, um, freeze on the arms sales against Saudi Arabia, because to me um, that is more important than this. You know, this one person being free in two months from jail, um, and I do think, but I, I do want to before I switch to that, I do want to focus on this case a little bit, but I do want to um, even criticize our community a little bit for not knowing what to focus on and being... But, yeah, I mean, this this is a small sign of um, of progress, in my opinion, and I do think that um, the Saudis have, know that the pressure is going to be on them, and obviously they're reacting accordingly. But I don't... I hope that um Biden doesn't get distracted with symbolism um and just because the Saudis do a couple of things here and there like release um a few prisoners or let women do this and let women do that and then some bloggers write their stuff i don't i hope that doesn't become an excuse for Biden to uh be like oh look progress we could go back and sell weapons to them again um r- there is the main pressure that I'm, the main thing I want to see, again, there is some human rights issues that is very, very surface-based, but gets a lot of attention. Um, and when it comes to the number of people that are being impacted, it's significantly less um, than what actually matters, in my opinion. Um, but they get they get the most attention because they're sexy. Again, I'm not saying that women feminists being in jail um, it's not an important issue. It is an important issue. But these are easy wins for Saudi Arabia to give the Biden administration uh, in hopes that, that will Biden could go out and show this to people and be like, okay, we could go back to sell weapons, right? And yet the number of people that are being impacted by the weapons um, trades between you know, Saudi, uh, United States and Saudi, the Yemenis who are being constantly uh, um, bombarded. Like, let me actually show you what I have on the screen right now. We have UN humanitarian office puts the Yemen war dead at two hundred and thirty three thousand, mostly from indirect causes. Right. So this is what United States. This is by the UN news. Um, And this is what, um, this uh, 233,000 people, uh, for me, is something that gets a lot, what I noticed, it gets a lot less attention than one woman in prison in Saudi Arabia. And the United States and Canada and Germany and United Kingdom have been aiding Saudi Arabia's war on the Yemeni's civilians and children. And sometimes I feel like maybe putting feminists in jail is a a great strategy for Saudi Arabia to let them go when an administration wants to put pressure on Saudi. So Because right now, for example, we have um, Biden saying that they are going to... So here's another um, article by the New York Magazine saying America is complicit in Yemen atrocities. Biden says that ends now. This is great progress. This is great news. Uh, Biden just put a freeze on the arms sales to Saudi Arabia. This is exactly, this, is, this happened faster than I assumed. Um, and this should be celebrated, but we should also be mindful that this doesn't turn, gets undone. I'm going to mention, I'm going to talk about this a little bit um, going forward, comparing that to some other countries. But right now, if we're focusing on comparing this to Trump, um, this is all the wins that we needed is just this. Like this by itself is enough to justify um, anybody that voted for Biden. Like if you guys were worried about Biden doing wokey stuff, um saying some stupid crap not knowing what he's saying none of that it matters compared to this this is a lot more significant this is people in civilians and innocent children dying and united states aiding that and biden is stopping that so no matter how, if this if this freeze continues and if if biden doesn't undo it because saudi arabia just gives you know say some symbolic um thing human rights things what
1: like a prisoner release you know yeah because,
2: yeah, yeah if if i mean if by the if this is like if this freeze continues unlike some other countries where they did some freeze and then they undid it this by itself will be more more important if you actually care about humans if you're a humanist and you care about human lives If anybody distracts you by Biden saying some stupid stuff about race stuff, some some stupid stuff about like some wokey stuff, defending some people that you don't like, none of every single one of that is going to be insignificant compared to this. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people dying and United States is leading the way now. It seems like leading the way um, in stopping aiding Saudi Arabia, okay? So it's going to be beyond United States. If United States, because for so long, Trump gave the excuse for so many other Western countries to look so progressive and so much more humanist. Um, And that just, but just by this one action, now United States went from looking the least progressive to now looking like the most progressive. Now you could go ahead and shame United Kingdom, Germany, France, Canada, and every single one of these countries. Because instead of United States being behind them on the Saudi Arabia issue, United States I mean, now is, is ahead, of, ahead of all of them on this issue.
1: Yeah, so I, I think that, uh, there's a, yeah, that's exactly, I completely agree with you. So I I think what you're saying is that sometimes when they do this prisoner release, You're wondering if potentially the Saudis think of this as a strategy that will make these like these one or two or three people um, sort of symbols of uh, you know what we're holding almost like little singular superficial hostages, and then you know when when they release like okay we released one prisoner now start selling us arms again right so that trade off works well for them, but I think what the editorial was getting at the Washington Post editorial what they were getting at was this sentence that um, Lujain al-Haflul got, Uh, the sort of commutation of it, the suspension of it, really taking a five-year sentence and lowering it down to where she can be released within just a few weeks from now, right? They're looking this as a sort of, uh, they're they're checking the temperature, right? So they're saying that, okay, this is a sign that with this new administration, right? The Saudis are more susceptible to US pressure than they were when Trump was like sword dancing with them. And, you know, basically now, you know, the arms sale thing, Congress had actually voted against selling arms, like both parties together had voted against it. Trump vetoed that, right? He overrode it. Uh, The the Congress had actually voted um, to stop funding for the war in Yemen, Republicans and Democrats had voted for it. Trump vetoed it. And this is around the same time that he was uh, defending um, MBS uh, you know, after the killing of Khashoggi. So that, that, I think, is what the article is about, that it's not about, you know, whether this one prisoner really matters more than anything else and all the other 233,000 people who have died in Yemen, but is this one judge sentence that just happened recently, is it a sign of things to come that, okay, when the US pressures the Saudis, they're more susceptible to it than they were well before when the Saudis, when the US really, really needed them for their oil.
2: Right. My concern is that these editorials and these people keep um, some keep falling for the same trick. Right. Uh, And they look for signs rather than actual measurement of human lives. Right. Um, And that's why symbolism and also because they're writing editorials, symbolism gets more clicks than statistical number of like Yemenis dying um, and people starving; these are don't, don't get the clicks. So if they could show you there's a shift happening, and it's also it's mostly symbolic rather than the number of people that are being uh, saved, um, you know, they will, they will even, you know, they will, they will push that narrative, right? But the thing is that also Saudis know that that gets the most clicks. Um, so just like they, peop- th- these are the same people who fell for the reform promises of Saudi Arabia before and now they might be seeming to again this is a red flag for me because they might fall for it again and if again there's nothing like I don't I don't think like Biden is this great person he's also like following the trend if he notices that he could go back into the arms deal because Saudi Arabia gave some symbolic wins to them and people like oh look the signs and like I don't know. Give women a whole bunch of other rights again. Um, I mean, Saudi Arabia has so very little rights for its people that it, it just has a lot. It's an endless amount of symbolic things that it could give uh, while it continues to, um, you know, kill a whole bunch of civilians. Right? So, uh, yeah, but but again, but if again, I, I'm I'm again I'm hopeful, but I'm also cautious because if Biden um, notices that he could. Satisfy the people that in the arms, uh, in the military industry, while also getting some congratulations from these editorials for looking like, oh look, you pushed Saudi Arabia to release um, five, five or six women. Um, I mean, again, I hope I'm not dismissing that as as these women (laughs) shouldn't be in prison. And there's a whole bunch of other things that might happen that we could be happy about, but at the same time. Don't. This is like a. This is something that they might dangle in front of you uh, as progress, but most while they're murdering innocent people. So just just be mindful of that. Like I'm hopeful because again, the reason why I'm hopeful is because it's not because of just this release. It's because how long has it been Biden administration? How long has it been since they they started? And not even a month. I mean, I mean it's just a couple the, of weeks. The fact that they put the no pause no on- seven
1: days one week.
2: Yeah, one week. It's been one week. And they put an, a pause on arms sales to Saudi Arabia. Like, the, this is amazing. I hope it's not just something that they're going to undo because Canada did the same thing and then they undid it. So this is, I hope this is celebrated more than the woman being released or something yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, so, so I think that the, um, I mean, one of the platforms that they had, their condition was clearly about the Yemen war, right? The atrocities in Yemen. Mm-hmm. So, I think that um, the way that it seems, right, the way they presented their platform to the campaign, and it wasn't just Biden; it was all the other Democrats as well, is that the war in Yemen is something that Saudis, that the U.S. should not support. In fact, Congress voted against the war in Yemen. Trump vetoed it, so they he overrode what both parties wanted. So this is something they've been wanting to get done for a long time. And they also had a separate thing on the, on the, on the arms deal. So I think the whole idea is that if, if he sees, he's like, okay, we're freezing the arms sales. They're like, okay, look, listen, we're releasing these three prisoners. They're like, well, yeah, are you still keeping the war in Yemen going? Yes, we're still keeping that going. That's the same as ever before. And then I, I don't think that's going to work. I think they're pretty aware of that um, at this point. And they're the most important thing is they don't they don't really need Saudi Arabia for for example oil they don't need them for any economic reason but there is one thing that they do need them for right and that is their deterring Iran right so that's that's a one aspect of it if there is a deal if there's something that MBS does okay you know we're going to help uh, deter Iran in some way I mean that is potentially something that the U S can be um, the U S might negotiate on. Where and this is me being very cynical, where the Yemen thing um continues to, I, I don't think it's going to continue to worsen. I think there's going to be some sort of like a negotiation on it, but th- that's basically the thing that the US wants to work with the Saudis on. It's a basic, it's probably their only real interest right now in Saudi I don't,
2: Iran. I don't, I don't, I think that the war in Yemen has given uh, uh, Iran, a lot of excuse. It's, again, the Islamic Republic. I shouldn't say Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of excuse to. I don't know. Like I don't. I, I don't think they need um,
1: excuse for what
2: for me, for for getting the, involved with the Houthis. Like the Houthis now need Iran because of the war in Yemen. And this is why they became a proxy of Iran. So it's basically every time Saudi Arabia fights Iran, Iran's government, it keeps helping them for some reason. Like it keeps Mm. making them. Like, Saudi Arabia is you know, is the best enemy the Islamic Republic of Iran could ever hope for. So every single thing that they ever did as a move against Iran's government has been to the benefit of them. Like, this is like not, if you if, if the United States wants to take a position against, uh, stronger, stronger positions against uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran, Saudi Arabia is not your best ally. Israel is. Israel knows how to. Mm-hmm. fight back against uh, Iran, but Saudi Arabia is the worst, right? Um, I do want to read uh, some se- tweets by t- uh, two senators. Um, one is by Chris Murphy saying, the weapons we sold to Saudi Arabia and UAE have been used to kill school children, transfer to extremist militias, and fuel a dangerous arms race in the Middle East. This is the right move. So th- he's uh, referring to Biden freezing the um arms sales uh, the time is now to reset our relationship with gulf allies another senator senator bob mendez is that how you say it uh welcome this pause and review of these arm sales that we in in explicit how do you say it in Inexplicably. in okay i can't i can't read rush without thorough review of implications of u.s national security and protection of innocent lives in yemen I don't like the fact that it's a pause, um, you know, but because there's a bad history. I, I'll go through it in that history later once you say, if um, once you comment. The second part of this tweet says, I encourage the Biden administration to carefully consider the broader regional security implications of these sales and to consult with uh, Congress as it continues its due diligence on these and other arm sales. Okay? Guys, by the way, this is like I, I don't know, I don't know if people understand how big of a deal this is. Okay. There's a lot of money involved in these arms sales. More money than anything that um Trump administration or Biden administration could impact. Like the, we're we're talking the biggest deals in history, okay? So for, for Biden administration to put human rights ahead of this amount of money, this is this is a cause for celebration in my opinion more than way more than saudi arabia releasing one feminist okay um and again i think that like, these senators congratulating us also put some political capital behind this move and i hope i hope everybody pays more attention to this rather than any any carrots that saudi arabia wants to like dangle around human rights activists. uh, Because if this gets reversed, like these politicians need to know that they can't just like excite us for a bit and then eventually they undo it. There needs to be, if there's political capital right now in favor of making a move like this, there needs to be a political cost, a huge political cost for them to undo this because people might get, people will get distracted very fast. People will sell get, yay, thank you, Biden. And if they notice, as soon as they notice, people now are, uh, forgot about this. And the number of people that are paying attention to this is less. If people don't congratulate this enough, then the politicians are going to be like, maybe there's not that much benefit. I'm not going to get reelected over celebrating this that much. There's not, So there needs to be a lot of push in highlighting this instead so that they know that undoing this will cost them. Because if undoing this does not cost them, then the money will speak a lot louder than than the human rights activists. The human rights activists, Everybody needs to pay attention to this, and I understand that the political motivation behind these senators and Biden might not might be something that is not for the sake of the humans themselves. It doesn't really matter. You have the result speaks for themselves, and people should go out there and celebrate this and congratulate Biden. Okay, I don't care if Biden comes out and says like something even if he says something that is anti-white racist, you go like, oh my God, this is like not even borderline racist. This is goddamn racist. I don't give a crap. That's nothing compared to this. It's nothing compared to this. But go on, Ellie.
1: No, I, I agree. This is huge. And what's... Uh, two things to me that are really, really interesting about this. One is that there is a... It seems like the Biden administration is going to have a very different approach than the Obama administration. The Saudis themselves have acknowledged that. So you know what what's this this pausing of the arms deal, I just realized that this happened um, just after we actually posted that we're gonna be doing this live stream, right? Like this happened just in the, oh, yeah. the last 24 hours, right? It just happened yes, very, yes. very recently. Yes, this so, is Yeah, we didn't know. So that's like a, that's kind of a coincidence. It's a great thing that they paused it. I, I didn't even know it until you started talking about it. So, you know, so that's one thing that's gonna be very different from the Obama administration, number one. Um, The Saudis themselves have acknowledged that. And again, Biden has been around. He's been involved in this region for 30 something years way before Obama was in the picture. So he's already had his views on it. He's been around that region a lot. So he's very, very familiar with it in a way that most other people are. And a lot of newbies are coming in seeing Biden as this new thing. They they don't realize that he's had this sort of very long history um, associated with the region. Uh, the second thing is that they're coming back to after Trump. Like this entire place has changed. The dynamics of the Middle East have changed. Right? You have this alliance uh between you know Israel can fly over Saudi airspace. Uh you have the UAE that has diplomatic ties with Israel. You can take a take a flight from like Tel Aviv to Dubai, direct flight, right? And you can fly over Saudi Arabia. Um, you have These uh, relationships that they have now with Sudan, with Bahrain. So it's a very different thing. The Iranian situation is very different. The Iranian deal is off, right, that the Obama administration negotiated. So he's coming back to uh, a very different Middle East, a very different geopolitical sort of milieu in the Middle East um, that did not exist when he was working with Obama. And you know, and we know that him and Obama actually disagreed on a lot of the foreign policy Middle East issues um, that they worked on. You know, Obama also helped support the Saudi war in Yemen, right? Right. So uh, there's a so so there are many things that are actually different about this, which may be why Saudi Arabia is a little bit more wary now that the Biden administration's in, and they also have a majority in the in the Senate and Congress and everything like that. So so I think that that's that's a big deal. But how how do you think? the the fact that the Middle East is so different, you have all these new alliances and there's this sort of pro-anti-Iran axis that is composed of Israel as well as these really, really, the biggest economic powerhouse Arab states in the region. And they're all allied with Israel against Iran. That whole dynamic in the absence of the Iran deal. How does that change what uh, the, the from the Obama era policy? How does that well, change?
2: Well, I mean, I mean, okay, so... Biden is so far, <laughs> the first week has been better than Obama ever has been on this, right? Yeah, I again, know. Yeah. yeah, but again, this is this is this might be because the Middle East just matters less now to the United States than before, okay? So this might not be because, I don't know, Biden is this amazing guy. No, it's because it, it, it seems like it, as right now, the uh, United States is going to focus more on China relative to the Middle East. Again, this could change, okay? But that's what it seems like the direction that we're gonna be going, right? So did them, them 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 that frees up their hand to be care to at least pretend to care more about human rights than they used to, okay? Um, I, I do I do have to say, like, okay, so Obama um, did do arms sales with Saudi Arabia, he did try to reduce it. Um, especially after Saudi Arabia bombed um, a funeral. I remember that. That was like apparently that was Obama's red line to not to stop the arms deals, but to maybe like can we just like send less weapons to people who are bombing innocent civilians? Like we can still do it, but can we do it less? Uh, Trump was a, a disaster. Trump actually increased it exponentially uh, compared to Obama, uh, and Biden is just put on is putting on a full freeze on it. Okay, and so. Yeah, so you're right. It might be mostly because of the nature of the whole situation is changing
0: uh, yes. in the
2: Middle East, and and again, it's not just the Middle East. It's also because of other elements outside of the Middle East uh, that because becoming more of a concern. I I do think like the the weapons industry uh, needs to be promised uh, some other fear. If this is because, because they're just way too powerful for them to be completely ignored, like we're talking about the world's great largest weapons deal. Okay, this this amount of money is not going to be like, oh, okay, I guess you guys are just gonna like ignore what we want. Like there, these are these people will find a way to get what they want, yeah, and they yeah. have the money to back it up, right? But they might need to be promised, I don't know, something else somewhere else. Um but you know, we need to f- find a way to make these vengeful gods happy in a way without actually uh paying the price in body bags. Um but yeah, you seem to you seem to be No, I, I was saying
1: that there's one important thing that um during Obama's time, and yes, okay, I remember this uh Freed Zakaria interview. Fried Zakaria interviewed Obama when Obama was about to go and visit Saudi Arabia and he asked him about Raif Badawi. He said, you know, there's a there's a blogger there, it's jailed, are you going to bring that up? And Obama, in that interview, actually said, well, no, I'm not going to, he said that he probably won't because um, he has to balance their natural national interests and what they want to get with, you know, how much they want to provoke Saudi Arabia. So it was that kind of hedging that was doing. And I remember it was infuriating watching that at the time because mm-hmm. him just saying flat out that he wouldn't do it. But what's interesting is that well, one thing that Obama did do to his credit is when Obama started in 2009, uh, the US was very, very dependent on Saudi oil. When he left, the US didn't really need Saudi oil that much. So that's actually one um, aspect of the eight years of the Obama presidency, um, where he, made, he helped make the US much, much less dependent on Saudi oil than uh, they were before. Ooh,
2: that's- That's actually a very good point. You could could say that uh, Obama and maybe laid the groundwork for Biden to be able to make such a move. Is that what you're saying? Well,
1: he did. I mean, Uh, if if you look at the dependency then and you look at how much – I mean, Obama himself, remember, he bowed to the Saudi king when he was, like, bowing. He went there. They they all used to kiss his ass. Um, But then towards the end of it, I think right now, I think it's just the single digits, like the percentage of oil that that uh, that the U.S. gets from the Saudis. That's why the whole vision, what this whole thing, the Vision Twenty Thirty, whatever he has of MBS, he started that. He's trying to get foreign investment. He's trying to open up the society a little mm-hmm. bit. He's trying to make it, you know, the women are allowed to drive. It's it's because they know that the oil thing is just not the cash cow, um, and it's not it's d- decreasingly going to be decreasingly in the future going to be a cash cow for them like it was in the, in the past. It's just not right. going to be. Um, mm-hmm. So that dependence um, on the oil has decreased. And a lot of that is actually credit to Obama during his eight years. So that groundwork started getting laid around that point. Trump came in. I don't know what was up with Trump uh, when he went in. and Because uh, Trump, you know, when they say, I don't think it's any exaggeration, when the de- Democrats say he essentially gave them a blank check. Like to cover for them with the Khashoggi thing to um, veto these that this uh, bipartisan you know agreement that we shouldn't be selling arms so then we shouldn't be supporting the war in Yemen and just single handedly this one executive president just vetoing that is um, bizarre. It's a yeah, but he, he did always count out to these dictators right? I mean, did the same kind of thing with Putin and everybody else. So um, I, I feel like the Biden administration is now kind of picking up and building on that foundation. Now that they're a little bit more liberated, right? They have more leverage over Saudi Arabia. They know that Saudi Arabia is more susceptible, so they are exerting. They're bringing their um, sort of their values more and their national interest a little bit less because they don't have as much national interest there as they did before.
2: All right, let me just clarify a few things because. Um... Yeah. I mean, just, just to be clear, like, we're not going to, we're not going I'm, to, I'm not, I'm not under any illusion that any of this is being done because um, politicians are like, this is out of the goodness of their heart. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it, it isn't. We don't know. We don't care. At the end of the day, uh, studies show that the dollars make all the difference and that's where the votes will go. That's where the policies will go as well. And this is why people, um, you know, people focusing on green energy is going to be so much, make it so much easier for these politicians to uh, to to virtue signal with their human rights. I mean, we want them to virtue signal, but we want them to be able to virtue signal. And if they are less reliant on oil, it's gonna be easier for them to virtue signal with. So there's two things. We want them to continue virtue signaling with, with by acting like they care about human rights. Even if it's fake, I don't care. We need that. But we need to also want those virtual signals to be actually where the pain is, okay? Uh, Where the actual pain is. Again, Again, this might sound so cold coming from me, okay? So I have to clarify this as well. We should, you know, when... Just because I'm not saying... I'm, because I'm saying that we shouldn't let Saudi Arabia distract us by, I don't know, like freeing Raif Badawi or freeing this feminist or letting women drive um, or letting people go to, the, uh, to theater or letting women go to sports stadiums all of, or letting women join the army and a whole hundred other things that they're going to throw at us. Just because I'm saying that we shouldn't get distracted by this, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be people pushing for these, okay? there should be if if saudi arabia is desperate to throw symbolic things at us uh, then and if you're a human rights activist that cares about those symbolic things use this desperation and go get those things go get all of them right but i'm just saying like don't congr- don't don't let saudi arabia distract you while you are f- getting those things right again the reason why i'm very aware trying to be aware of this is because me coming from Iran and, ha- and a lot of anti-government Iranian activists have become so aware and so used to seeing how the Islamic Republic of Iran uses distraction methods like this while the human rights as a whole is still di- a disaster. Like it, the Islamic Republic of Iran was even flirting with letting, you know, hijab slide at some point. Like they are even like Flirting with that idea, and every anybody like that comes and wants to be like, Oh, yeah, that's great. Like, you could see the level of awareness in Iran of how this is all symbolic has become so high that when foreigners come and see that as a sign of progress, they get a lot of hate from people in, in Iran, right? Like, Christian, mm-hmm. for example, uh, who's Iranian herself, got so much hate from Iranians inside of Iran when she told uh, Zarif, Iran's foreign minister. Uh, that, oh, woman being allowed in stadiums just a little bit, that, oh, she's like, oh, that's progress. And she got a lot of hate from uh, for that from Iran because Iranians have become aware of how this game is played. So because of that background and how I'm used to that, uh, seeing that, that's when, when I saw this in Saudi Arabia from the beginning with the Vision 2030 and all that, I kind of like, you know, I, I've seen this somewhere before. So I was very familiar with how this game is played. And it was very interesting to me how even people from Iran who are aware of this, how this game is played, were were congratulating Saudi Arabia, not because, and I was like, you guys are hypocrites. You guys should know that this is just a game. uh, And these are just reforms because of, um, to cover up much larger numbers of human rights violations. But the reason why they were supporting it was because anything that a lot of the people who are against the Islamic Republic, for some reason in Iran, would congratulate all of Iran's government's enemies, which includes... Uh, Saudi Arabia for some reason, which is which is not a good thing to do. But I, I was very, from the very beginning, I was telling people that no, don't don't let this blind you. Okay. Uh, so one thing I want to mention because I know I, we have a lot of ex-Muslims in our audience, uh, and I think the ex-Muslim community is very guilty of this. Uh, and I, I kind of understand why they're guilty of this is because they they themselves deal with individuals with people ex-Muslims who have uh, very, very um, sto- like stories of struggle, dealing with uh, human rights uh, violations by the governments, and usually a lot of them are the victims themselves, and they have felt uh, the desperation, the suffocation of the government not letting you speak, not letting you be who you are, not letting you uh, fight for what you want, and, uh, you know, not being able to love who you want, um, not being true to your identity. So, because of all of that, they they you know, Raif Badawi or like who was uh, who was that explosive girl who was like a uh, Canada um welcome Rahaf, Rahaf. they these are they care about that a lot, and they see that as major progress when when there's any uh when there's any move on that front, right? But the explosive community all of a sudden, They ignore um, many of them. What's happening in Yemen? Okay, Um, I mean, we shouldn't just because we're ex-Muslim, we should like we shouldn't be tribal. We shouldn't be tribal. Like we shouldn't be celebrating Rahaf finally being safe in Canada um, more than this deal. Because and the people in Yemen who are being um, who are victims of these like their this, they're not ex-Muslim. They're some of the most conservative Muslims. They're some of the most religious Muslims in the whole world. Um, and it might be tempting. I mean, that I can see why so many ex-Muslims care about one person like Rahaf or one person like Raif Badawi more than hundreds of thousands of Yemenis. Uh, but these are civilians. OK, if you are if you're if you being ex-Muslim has made you care about one Ra- Raif Badawi or one. What was their name again? I keep forgetting. Name. Rahaf. Rahaf, right? <laughs> um, one Rahaf. Mortar. A lot of
1: people are gonna hate you for this. I oh, know I don't. Great. They yeah. come
2: at, come at me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah. Again, yeah. see, this is this. Actually, this is a great example, right? I me forgetting Rahaf. Um, they will. There are people. There are people in our audience who get triggered more by. Me forgetting Rahaf's name because she's a she's like a very symbolic ex-Muslim activist that got free. She should she should be like she's celebrated by ex-Muslims all around the world, right? But they do not care about everybody forgetting the Yemeni the Yemeni war. Like yeah. the the number of people who have forgotten the Yemenis people, they don't get triggered by that, but they will get triggered by me forgetting Rahaf's name, right? That shows where their priorities are. They're, like, even if they care, they're, like, sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, this is, the, yeah, I guess this is something we should care about. Yeah, yeah, it's bad, it's bad, it's war, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Rahaf's situation, one woman, one person, this is like, they were so, they're so emotionally invested in that. So emotionally invested in that. But they're, they're children that are slowly dying, dying from starvation in Yemen. And disease and starvation has, on purpose, been used as a weapon of war against them. And they, they they don't go beyond. Oh yeah, that's bad. War is bad. Oh, I guess this is sad. But then, so again, this is ex-Muslims. They're not immune to tribalism, right? Like this is not just like a Muslim or a Christian or Hindu thing. Um, I'm I'm I want to. I urge people, I urge people to care about humans. And when they when they are prioritizing what they care about and what they want to push for. Um, th- think about the larger impact and number of people that are being affected, the amount of misery that a policy or a form of activism is avoiding um, think about that as a whole rather than w- w- what is the ideology of the people who, be- uh, who believe in this um, you know, or, or whether it's a woman or a man or it's, a, it, you know, again so, sorry I, I think I, it might be
1: yeah, I think you're, you're 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 you might be being a little bit more cynical towards the, uh, the the ex-Muslim community on this because I think some of this stuff is actually natural. It goes into you know what Paul Bloom talks about in the case against empathy, his book. You well, know, like this, this idea. Hold on, just it's that you know when you have uh, if you have one, if you see a picture of one girl who's got leukemia, one three, four year old girl who's got leukemia. And everybody says, please donate to her to help with her treatment. Loads and loads and loads of people will donate to her. But okay, we have a hospital full of kids with leukemia and we've got 200 kids. Then people usually won't donate because people just empathize and relate more to individual stories than statistics. And this is something that people have done in political campaigns for the longest time. It's always good to have a one person who is a symbol of Something you want to get done, rather than just talk about the issue in general in large numbers, uh, because that the, the, that story doesn't resonate as much. Yes, let me know that story. Huh? Yes,
2: can I respond to that?
1: Yeah, yeah. That, that's. I mean, I, I was just saying that's one thing. I'm not saying that what you what you're saying is wrong. I know that a lot of the uh, ex-Muslim community has kind of downplayed the whole Yemen thing, and they 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 do focus on individual activists. So there's that aspect too. But I think that this is another aspect. Uh, the, the second thing I wanted to say was what you said about the goodness of people's hearts and how it's all about dollars. So what happens, and this is kind of very typical of the U.S., is that uh, they there is more than other sort of superpowers in history, there is more of a humanitarian impetus for the U.S. to do things when the dollars are not a factor. So if the dollars are a factor, like, for example, China, the dollars are a factor. Saudi Arabia, the dollars were a factor for a very long time, right? Then the humanitarian thing uh, takes the national interest, takes precedence. The economic interest takes precedence. And the humanitarian instinct or the, the humanitarian sort of impulse um, becomes lower. Right? There's a lower priority on the totem pole. But when the dollars are less significant of a factor, like, for instance, now there's less dependence on Saudi oil, then the humanitarian, the values things, and even the human rights issues, they take, they start becoming more forefront because the, they can afford to make them more forefront. They're they're more able to um, uh, to be able to uh, to push for these issues. So I think that there is a goodness of the heart thing aspect that that does drive these decisions. With um, say Joe the Biden administration. And one of the big reasons for that is because the dollars are not as significant a factor anymore like they were for the past like 40 years. All
2: right. So you mentioned that uh, you're being cynical uh, with the ex-Muslim community, but this is natural. Well, Ali, uh, I am being cynical because it is natural, right? And also, it's not just that when it comes to it being natural, it's not just what you refer to. That is true, like the whole one child in front of you compared to, but like Rahaf and Yemenis, they're all far away from you. And this is not just about that this is also tribal, okay? Because we also have a whole bunch of, we have pictures, we have stories of individuals from Yemen, from Syria. Um, and it, I, I, can, I can guarantee you that if these were not Muslims, if these were ex-Muslims, the ex-Muslim community would care about them more, even if it was faceless people, even if it was a whole bunch of faceless people. But we also have pictures of people from Yemen, individual stories. No, it's not just about oh, you need a face and a story. No, this is also it, 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 this, uh, that's one natural element of it, but another natural element is the tribalism. And what I'm there, I'm that's that's why I said that ex-Muslims are not immune to it. Why are they not immune to it? Because it's natural. But tribalism is also a natural part of our uh, how our brain is wired. And but just because it's natural, it doesn't mean it should be excused. Um, we can do, uh, it, it, this shouldn't be as, a, nobody should use, oh, well, this is natural as an excuse because we have proven to be able to do a lot better than our nature. nature oh, yeah, nat- I, I, I know, I, I know. Let me finish, please, uh, because I have another point to make after this as well. Um, we we and and i said ali i'm not saying that you're suggesting any of this i'm just using it as a way to say something else okay um natural is sometimes very bad okay um and humans through uh, coming up with standards and ethics and better systems have managed to be a lot better than natural 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 means that if you your tribe invades another tribe then every single woman gets raped that's how we're wired to act okay um but we are as humans uh, we have came up with better methods to live than that our nature will you know so again so that's just wanted to point that out but i i do want to because we compared biden to trump uh, the Biden administration to the Trump administration. I'd really quickly, Ellie, uh, uh, if you allow me, um, if you don't want to say something, uh, I'd really quickly want to start compare compare uh, Biden administration right now to um, Trudeau's administration. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, That's so... Great. You know one thing that people did for example when it comes to Rahaf situation was they congratulated Biden uh sorry they congratulated Trudeau because and the Canada as a whole for ad- accepting Rahaf so f- ahead of everybody else right so rahaf was, a, was this next muslim she was in trouble she was going to get deported back to saudi arabia we have no idea what would have happened to her if she got deported to saudi, back to saudi arabia australia failed to step in uk failed to step in every uh, U, in saudi, uh, united states failed to step in canada was there canada stepped in canada welcomed her with open arms and people are like oh my god this is amazing yay canada you're, 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 you're the role model for human rights that we want. okay? Well if you celebrated Canada for that, now it's time to shame Canada uh, if you want to compare that because now when it comes to actually a much higher number of human lives, United States as uh, United States is way ahead of almost every country now because of the Biden administration, including Canada. Let me show you a few things. So we have this article, by uh, CTV News in 2015. This is the Harper administration defending the Canadian's military uh, contract with Saudi Arabia. This is the Harper administration right before Trudeau. So this was 2015. And then I have another article in 2018 uh, saying Trudeau defends... uh, Trudeau a defense Saudi arms export deal uh points finger at Harp, uh, Harper government so this was 2018 and when was when did Kushokchi died It's around, I think 2017 or I
1: 2017 I, I, I think
2: once the pressures and now I have another article from a t- later 2018 uh, I think the pressure from uh, the Khashoggi, again. It's very interesting because when Canada, when governments around the world were being pressured to stop their deal with Saudi Arabia, not because of the hundreds of thousands of Yemenis, yeah. but so, because sorry, of it was 2018,
1: 2018. 2018 will okay, be. so
2: that actually matches perfectly with this, right? So this yeah. is in 2018. They were uh, Canada, the Canadian government was being pressured to reevaluate the deal, their sales with Saudi Arabia, which is amazing because one American resident gets this um, in more attention gets more pressure on these on all these governments to reevaluate their deals with Saudi Arabia more than hundreds of thousands of Yemenis okay this shows that it's not even a citizen this shows how how much an a, a american residentship gets you right uh, so this is in 2018 march 2018 st justin trudeau said defense canada's arms sales to saudi arabia okay so now the pressure is mounting up this is uh, again, 2018, much later, I think this is in October 2018, uh, Trudeau suggests he's willing to freeze Saudi, Ar- Saudi uh, arms export permits, okay, so he's like, maybe we put a freeze on it. And this is why I was telling you about the history of this, which um even if a country suggests that they might put a freeze on it we shouldn't like be like we shouldn't drop our guard like we should keep like, at it with Biden because they might undo this freeze so this is in uh, late 2018 trudeau said oh this is by huffington post and then mm-hmm. we have another this is now august 2019 um, so he in tw- in late 2018 he said that he well maybe we'll stop exp- uh, doing exports to Saudi Arabia but then in late 2019 people are like hey what's up with that so this is by CTV News again um, August 2019 the headline says Trudeau pressed to give update on review of Canada's arms deal with Saudi Arabia uh, people are like what's up with that why haven't you moved forward with this and now we have here in uh, April 2020 uh, Canada lifted. They lifted the suspension of arms export to Saudi Arabia, citing uh, what was it? Oh, here uh, Ottawa because they says allowed it again. Yes, they allowed it again, saying recog- in says renegotiation of contract will secure jobs, jobs of thousands of Canadians. But uh, but activists accuse of hypocrisy okay so this is exactly what uh trump administration was uh giving the excuse So trudeau was giving the same excuse that the trump administration gave to uh why they need to sell arms to saudi arabia citing jobs let me i I know this is by the way let me just i know this is virtue signaling okay i don't give a shit um it seems like i need to virtue signal because this seems like i
1: know it's going to sound very brave you're right absolutely no. right I know you wanted me to disagree with you on something but this right is like 100 no, no, percent let me, let me, on point yeah.
2: if your job if your job involves starvation of children and bombing of civilians you shouldn't have a job yeah and the fact that the fact that they cite this and this sells like I know I know this is like such a you feel like oh wow armin is oh armin is against the murder of children but apparently like you're like oh wow like yes so amazing yay i'm against murder i'm, I'm against bombing civilians apparently this is not as apparent to people as you think it is if you want to be like if you want to like make a joke about that as if as if this is such an uh, easy take uh, easy point to make because this sells this idea of hey we need to sell weapons to Saudi Arabia because of jobs, it sells in United States and it sells in Canada to Canadian voters. The fact that this sells, that means there are people in Canada and in the United States that, that think like, hey, yes, I know maybe people civilians are dying, but we need jobs. The fact that they're using this as a selling point means it does sell. That means that there are Canadians and Americans that need, that are garbage human beings. I'm sorry. You are a garbage human being if this line of reasoning works on you. Okay? And then if this wasn't ba- bad enough, if this wasn't bad enough, this was April 2019 2020. Uh here, this was another June 2020 actually. When well, they,
1: the, well, they doubled the weapons sales. Yes, this <laughs> is the
2: this is the Guardian. This is the Guardian saying Canada doubles Weapon sales to Saudi Arabia, um, yeah, great. So again, if you were if you were one of the people who went and congratulated Canada for accepting Ra'af uh, ahead of other countries and be like, "Yay, Canada understands human rights." Now is your chance to go shame Canada. The Liberal government of Trudeau is behind. Uh, United States. So all these countries that felt like, hey, look at us. We're not as bad as the Trump administration. Look at these idiots. Look at United States. Look how ridiculous they are. Yay, we understand that global warming is real. Yay, we understand that human rights is important. Yay, we think like vaccines are important. We don't deny science. We're like, hey, look at us. We're like Trump was such a great way for all these countries to look superior. Now you should all look inferior. You should all be shamed because the United States, that was a mocking, that was used as mo- as a as a way for every country to mock and feel superior. Now, United States should be used as an example for all these countries to look inferior because With- they have a pause on weapon sales to Saudi Arabia, and you do not. So, shame on Canada and shame on Trudeau.
1: That was great. I I, I think it got me a little wet. <laughs> I, I, no, I I, com- <laughs> just, I I couldn't, I think you said it perfectly. I think that whatever, everything that you did over there, that clip, that video clip, aside from me saying that I got wet afterwards, like we will cut that <laughs> out, but everything before that, we need to take that as a clip and we need to post it out there for free. I mean, it's just for for everybody to watch. So hopefully we can do that. Um, yeah, but I, I completely agree with you. I mean, this has been one of the blind spots of, uh, Ugh, it's, it's hard to say, it's kind of diminishing it to just call it a blind spot. But I mean, this has been a very, very deliberate strategy in Canada, and actually this is, now that you mentioned, it's actually a really good example of what you were saying right at the beginning of the show, right? Like where you were saying that they take the release of these activists, and it's true. Justin Trudeau, Krista Friedland, they made a really big deal about the Raif Badawi thing. Saudis got mad at that. Uh, they cut off all diplomatic ties. All of that stuff over this, you know, the activism, which was absolutely important. It was really good and it was great that Canada took that stand. They accepted al Kanoon. That was a great thing that Canada did that. All of that stuff is great. But when that's what's happening on the surface and that's the stuff that's in the headlines, and in the background, they have this first this waffling on the arms deal blaming it on the Harper government. I remember the, you know, the excuses they gave before what they said before. And I, I remember I talked about this and I explained the logic of it as well. They said, well, you know, they made the deal. The Harper government made the deal. We can't just undo the deal. You see, we can't have the kind of thing where every time there's a new party in government in power, then, you know, that whole, all the deals become, we, we're gonna lose credibility. It's like, you know, what Trump did by ripping up the Iran deal. No, nobody's gonna make a deal with them anymore. So it it damages credibility. So they have to carry it through. That was it. And then the suspension got lifted and then they ended up doubling their arms sales to the Saudis. So clearly that excuse was nothing more than just an excuse. They needed to keep it going because they wanted to save thousands of jobs. Okay, and these jobs basically, these people needed jobs so they could make weapons that the Saudis could use to bomb kids and uh, and and kill people now, indirectly, directly, and indirectly. Two hundred thirty-three thousand of them in Yemen. So, I mean, the, the it's clear as day. Like this entire sequence of events is clear as day. And you're right. Like the Biden administration, by coming in and within the first week, in addition to all the other stuff he's done, I know it's been executive orders and that's controversial, uh but just freezing this arms deal, the arms sales to Saudi Arabia, it's more than anything, more than the arms sale thing, it's, it's a provocation. Like, I, I, to me, so I'm looking at the signs. Okay, the signs here are the Biden administration within the first seven days. They're like, okay, we're going to freeze arms sales. They don't care anymore. They don't have to deliberate that much. They don't have to bother. They're like, we're just freezing the arms sales. What's Saudi Arabia doing in, in return? Like in, in sense, Saudi Arabia is saying, well, you know, uh, this prisoner that we had, this women's rights activist, you know, yeah, we're going to sentence her to five years, but she can be out by March. Right? And they've suspended that sentence. So these, if you look at these as signs, they're signs of a shifting power dynamic. They're signs of the, the U.S. basically being able to do what it wants to do with Saudi Arabia and having more power over Saudi Arabia. And on the other hand, of Saudi Arabia being more susceptible to U.S. pressure in a way like it wasn't in the last four years for sure, but also it never was before the last four years. With any of the other administration, whether it was the Clinton or Reagan or you know Obama or Bush or anybody, so it signals a change in the power dynamic between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia, and and I I don't know if the same thing is going to bleed over into the other states like with Canada and everything. But you're right, like the the um, Biden administration actually does seem a lot more progressive now. The U S suddenly like overnight, it's gone from like far right to becoming like super progressive. And it's overtaking like all of these other countries who are still sort of doing behind the, behind the scenes, bedroom deals, right. With, with the Saudis. By the way,
2: if Biden does, if Biden does undo this freeze, I agree with everything you said, by the way, Um, the blame is, on the Americans who didn't p- push for harder for this, right? Like, Ooh. if this freeze stops, like you, got, if you are not paying, because they're the the Biden administration is also maybe testing on how much how much of a congratulation, how much of a uh, boost they're going to get from undoing this uh, arms deal, and if it's not going to be significant enough, they they might like if they feel like there's well, we didn't get that much of a like maybe like we got if they see like hey undo like removing like if you go and look at the twitter sphere and youtube scene right the fact that biden undid the discrimination against trans people in the military Mm -hmm. that is getting a lot of attention okay and am i for that yes i'm i'm really glad that biden did that okay Mm -hmm. um However, the number of people that are going to be impacted, the positive impact on trans people in the military by that is astronomically less than this. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Um, and that's, that shouldn't be controversial to say. And if they notice that, like, hey, I could do this and people are celebrating it more and I'm going to get more of a political boost from people. By smaller things that people care more about than bigger things that people don't seem to care about, then you are motivating them to move only in that direction. Okay, motivating them. Actually, let me let me show you. Um, don't make this meme become a reality. Hold on. <laughs> I know the people who are in the people who are you're not. You might not be able to hear uh, see this, but maybe Ali could uh, describe it when I bring it up. Okay,
1: here. All right. You know,
2: do you know what this? Okay, here.
1: (laughs) So yeah, this is so this me what is showing, it's got a picture of there's Republicans, and then there's a fighter plane underneath it and Democrats fighter plane, the fighter planes dropping bombs. Uh, The only difference is the Republicans plane is completely plain with no uh, decorations or anything like that. The Democrats plane has let's see, it's got a Black Lives Matter banner on it. It's got a Yes, She Can on it. And it's got a rainbow flag on it. But it's still doing the exact same thing. It's still dropping bombs. Right. right. It's a right. brilliant cartoon. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. But I, I So I have a question. I know that we only have, I think, probably five minutes because we started late. But there's a question from Bobo. And that's exactly what I was going to actually ask you. And I want to know what your insight is on this. So Bobo saying... Uh, won't this impact the US economy negatively? If so, won't Biden lose popularity? So I, I have to ask you um, one thing related to this is that what is what does the US need from the Saudis right now? Because before they were worried about the oil prices going up. Oil prices in the Saudis, if they went up at that point 10, 15 years ago, you would really have potentially a recession. Right in the U.S., you'd have the loss of unemployment would skyrocket. All these all these terrible things would happen. Now, right, that's just not the case. So, what does the U.S. need from Saudis? Judging by like what's going on right now, what we just talked about right now, it doesn't seem like it seems like the U.S. has the majority of the leverage over the Saudis, and the Saudis know it.
2: Well, I mean, the U.S. still needs um, Saudis oil and also um, the geopolitics Military advantages that Saudi give to U.S. bases, they still yeah. need all of that. But it's, but it's very difficult for Saudi to de- to deny any of that to United States. It's not no, like no, it's no, not no, that it's no, not no. that the United States doesn't need Saudi Arabia. United States does need Saudi Arabia. It's just that Saudi Arabia needs United States more than you know. It's like the things that Saudi Arabia has for United States, they're in a difficult position for them to. Withhold that, like they are, they are when it comes to money, they're desperate right now, so it's not like we're not going to sell oil to like less oil to you, like you, you, yeah, you can't do that, right? Um, and when it comes to, um, I mean, given how easy it is to get political capital by being anti Saudi, if Saudi Arabia uh, stops buying weapons from the United States, uh, sorry, so, um, and stop or does anything. Um, deny United States anything when it comes to the military bases or anything in the Middle East. Of United States, then that's just like a green flag for United States to be very aggressive. I mean, United States is. No, no, is but
1: but, but Ar- I yeah, uh, yeah. one important thing about the like what you're saying about the military bases, the Saudi the U.S. military presence in Saudi Arabia is something that the Saudis actually need more from the U.S. than the. That's US. what I'm saying. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Because the Saudis. When in 91, I remember I was in Riyadh at the time, right? And then in 91, my whole family was there. When the first Gulf War happened, uh, they actually, they were desperate for the Saudis to come in because they had the threat from Saddam Hussein, right? So, uh, sorry, they were desperate for the Americans to come in. And then that's the thing that pissed off Osama bin Laden, because then you had the infidel in the Holy Land and so on. So, so they've, um, that's something that benefits both of them, but I'm just wondering if there's anything unique that is like the oil. I know they still need the oil, but it's it's not as big of a deal as it used to be. Um they well they
2: need to they need them not to escalate stuff hmm. with Iran. Uh,
0: yeah, but that
2: again to... again that's gonna be more Saudi Arabia is also doesn't want to after what happened to Aramco it, it, yeah, Saudi Arabia. Across the Atlantic. <laughs>
1: what I mean I'm saying the US is across the Atlantic. I mean Saudi Arabia has more of an think... interest in deterring Iran and so does Israel than yeah.
2: And, and, no. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think United States really wants Saudi Arabia and, and not to, the Biden administration probably wants Saudi Arabia not to cause something that will force United States' hands to drag them in. Yeah. right. I, because Saudi Arabia is like scared without U.S. support on how to deal with Iran. That's why they really pushed Trump to make a an alliance between Israel and all of them. Maybe without without the same level of U.S. support, they need each other more than they needed each, they needed uh, um, before, right? They need yeah. to be working with each other because they have less support than they had before, right? Or else, or maybe or else that's what they expected to happen, right? Yeah. Um, but I again, but, but again, but but because Israel and Saudi Arabia and the Gulf countries they want US presidents there because they had they have this big brother that would take care of them if somebody bullied them too much they might like you know f- imagine if imagine if you're like uh, get bullied at school uh, and you had your big brother defending you every time somebody like looked at you funny but now your big brother is moving like not you know moving out of the school or something so maybe you go push some uh, some bully so that they hit you so you go show your big brother like look if you leave me this is what's gonna happen to me like and there might be uh there might be uh, an attempt to drag a, a United States back to the Middle East in some way um but again that's probably what the United States wants
1: to yeah, make, avoid I, I think yeah. the big brother that <laughs> well, big brother did not big brother means so many different things but the analogy that you gave about having an older brother to defend you Probably works best because the best way to, I think, summarize this is that whatever interests the U.S. has um, in the Saudis right now, whatever they need the Saudis for, like those same things are what the Saudis need even more than the U.S.
2: Exactly. Like the exact
1: same interests are actually benefit the Saudis probably even more than they benefit the U.S. So you, the U.S. is in a
2: very good position to when be it comes like to the guys Saudis, Take right? care of this yourself. Yeah, but no, but it also gives the United States an excuse to be like, I don't even need to push you, I don't need need to give you anything to do these things because you yeah. need this. That's why they're like, you know what, we're gonna step out and you guys take care this of this is For situation. your own good. Yes, yeah, of course. <laughs> you guys it's like it's like, like basically bringing the Israelis like this is one good thing that came out of the Trump administration, I guess. Uh was like like hey, you guys maybe talk to each other, like he, Again, I don't, there are very few things that the Trump administration did right, okay? Um, it, it very few as in less than three, okay? One was the assassination of Qasem Soleimani. Um, I, I think, let's just say two. The other one is bringing um, the Arab, Gulf, Arab countries and Israel to get together. And I think that also plays well for Biden because Biden is like, you guys now are together. So you guys yes. figured this out.
1: I, I, you he guys figured this out. He also pardoned Lil Wayne. So don't forget about that. Oh That, yes. that was really
2: important. That was one of the great things he did. Not Assange, yeah. not Snowden.
1: But yeah, <laughs> sure. All right. Okay. So I, I think, do you have anything else to say, Armin? Or no, no. Wrap,
2: I think uh, it's good. Yeah.
1: Let's wrap this up, everybody. Uh, thank you for this. this is a, I think this is a topic that we're probably going to keep on revisiting. Because I'm yes. very, very, this is actually one of the most interesting things about this administration. And, and not just with Saudi Arabia, but also with, um, with the rest of the region and how that, that relationship with the US will change. So we're going to keep on revisiting it. In the meantime, we're at the end of January. So on Sunday night, on January 31st, we're going to have our end of month Q&A. Um, it's going to go on for longer than these uh, uh, regular episodes go on for. It's completely free and it's public, so you can bring your friends. Um, we're going to put up the, just a YouTube link for everybody and bring in and ask your questions about anything and everything and to me and Armin. So we're going to celebrate the end of January that way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are listening to this on audio and you like what you hear, um, you can actually, we do about five episodes a month. You can get uh, all five episodes for as little as a dollar a month if you join uh, Patreon. So you just go to patreon.com sjme um, and you can sign up over there. Uh, If you can't join Patreon, then, you know, please go on iTunes and give us a rating uh, and and rate us or share it on your social media, whatever you can do. And if you're hearing this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and uh, hit the bell so that notifies you every time there's a new episode.
2: Yes. And another call to action is that if you're American, I suggest that you go out and either talk about or post about how happy you are about the freeze. That Biden is doing when it comes to arms sales to Saudi Arabia, make this a relevant topic, uh, make it trending a little bit more, and be like you, and make sure that you mention that you hope that this is not just a temporary freeze, um, that this is hopeful, that you're looking at this. I don't care if you're a Trump supporter uh, or a Biden supporter or neither. You should recognize that this is a good thing. You could, I mean, if you're a Trump supporter. Not dealing with Saudi Arabia should be easy. Something easy for you to celebrate. You could be like, "Hey, guy, hey, I was a Trump supporter, but I, even I could recognize that this is a good thing. Go do this. Just recognize this is a good thing. Make this a positive uh, something that p- politicians could see that they could bank on as a as a uh, as as virtue signaling and getting votes. And if you're not an American um, and your country is behind on the United States on this, um, like if you're a Canadian, for example, go and shame your government and remind them that now United States that they used to mock as a, a ridiculous country uh, go and shame them for being behind United States make sure that this costs them uh, j- just simple post talking about it uh, make this make this an issue okay this is the, my suggestion as a call to action to anybody who's listening. yeah
1: I, I am actually uh, I, that's like the first thing I'm going to do um, oh. throughout the rest of the week is especially that like, like contrast the, with uh, with the, the, what Biden is doing and what Trudeau's doing, like It's the first thing I'm going to do. Because I, I actually didn't know that they suspended mm-hmm. the arms sales. I didn't know that Biden did that um, until we started the show. I know we scheduled the show and everything, but at, at that time, he hadn't done it. I mean, this just happened several hours ago. So mm-hmm. I think, um, yes. yeah, so th- this was a pretty nice surprise to, to get right in the beginning of the show. Anyway. So, i surprise for me, too.
2: This is so, or like seven days in. This is amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah so um, everybody uh, thank you very much thanks a lot uh, for joining us and we're gonna see you on sunday night and that's when you bring all your friends uh same time and we'll see you then thank you very much
2: well before we go bobo's saying i live in india we uh, we prosecute muslims and get awards from saudi saudi regimes fun times wow. right and that, yeah, that's not the only thing yes yeah. all right okay thank take you take care Bobo. bye,
0: bye. bye. The Secular Jihadists have been made possible thanks to the Illuminati and the covert support of Israel and the CIA. That's what we have been told, but we haven't received our checks yet. If you like what we do, please support us. Share the podcast with your friends. Write and tweet us with topic and guest suggestions. Or head over to secularjihadists.com and give a dollar or more for exclusive access to live video. Have your questions read and answered on the air and more. Till next time, may the flying spaghetti monster be with you. (laughs) you <laughs>